Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, where we be discussing current affairs in China, produced in partnership with SubChina. SubChina is the best way to keep current on the news from China with a daily email newsletter or, or a cool little smartphone app. Go to subchina.com to subscribe or download the app from iTunes or from Google Play. It's a feast of business, political, and cultural news about a nation that is reshaping the world. I am Kaiser Guo, and I am coming to you today from Some Guy's Airbnb on the Upper West Side, where we established a makeshift headquarters for Seneca. <laughs> and I am joined here not only by Jeremy Goldcorn, my usual partner in crime, but also sitting next to him, oh my God, his beautiful lady wife. Lady wife. <laughs> Is that kind of like a lady man? Yeah. Wife. <laughs> like a lady boy, sorry. Hey, lady wife. Of course, you've, you, cynical listeners all have heard about Wu Fei, who, who Jeremy can't just shut up about. Uh, and, but, you know, you'll, you guys She's will amazing. see why soon, right? And not only that, but we are also joined by Abigail Washburn, the Empress of the Banjo. As, as, no, seriously, the, I mean, that is your Grammy epithet. Award winning right. Empress of the Banjo. Grammy Award winning Empress of the Banjo. We're incredibly psyched because they're playing a gig here tomorrow night here in New York. Jeremy and I happen to be up here in town. Uh, and they are, not only they have their instruments before them, they're going to be playing some live, some tunes for you guys uh, to, to enjoy. It's amazing stuff. But let's plunge right in and let's get the, the, uh, the superhero origin stories for these two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Let, let's let's start with we you. We speak okay. in music, Kaiser. Yeah. Okay, that's the universal <laughs> language, man. It's the universal <laughs> language. Ufe, uh, how did you? First of all, why did you marry this guy? <laughs> Seriously, I'm uh, let's, a musician. Let's not <laughs> answer that question. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I knew it could not be a musician. Right. Oh, that's. Uh, and I knew it had to be someone crazy as me. Okay. Right. <laughs> there we go. Right. Oh, so, 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 you were you're you're a Beijing Beijing you're a Beijinger and you were educated at the the conservatory here. You went to you know, Baojiajie uh, Sichuan Hao. Oh, not that. Okay. Well, uh, we'll, we'll uh, okay. So yeah, you can speak English. Oh, Let's, yeah. This is an English podcast. Right. Right. <laughs> hey. Well. Yeah. It's uh, the China Conservative of Music in um, Prince Gong's Palace for three years. Oh, right. In high school part. Oh, okay. Uh, well, they have moved it away um, a few years ago, but uh, when I was in high school, we were in there. It sounded magical. The stories that Faye has of being in Prince Gong's Palace studying, you know. Yeah, I mean, I can Music. imagine it would it would inspire you to play some serious guzheng. I actually I didn't study guzheng performance there. I studied composition. Oh, okay. And uh, it just uh, yeah, it was quite a trippy experience uh, studying uh, in the Prince Gong's Palace. 
Do you come from a musical family? Are your parents both musical?、Uh, I would say yes. Not my dad plays the sanxiao, the three string fretless. I would say Chinese banjo sounds quite similar. Except totally dead in tone, right? Rang rang dang yi gar dang gar. Yeah, that、right. kind of like. It's like the toothless <laughs> old codgers. <laughs>、yeah, the... Or the courtesans in old days. It's a very fun toothless old codgers. <laughs> <laughs> She looks great without teeth, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Jeremy. Right. So the the sunset you guys are familiar with. It's a three string. It's usually got sort of a a, a python or a, a whatever a skin, snake skin, snake skin, skin、yeah. uh, over over the the sound board,、drum. and it's got an incredibly long neck. And what I always found difficult about it is just in the first position, stretches are amazing. It's like you have to have like Rachmaninoff hands to play. Got to have a super long pinky. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's just a crazy <laughs> long intervals, right? I mean, just like. Was, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and the, but I play the small sanxiao.、Oh, My dad,、okay. yeah, gave me a gift is the small sanxiao. He plays the、It's、big the, one, the small one, the, the small version.、One. Yeah,、right. and、uh, yeah, so he, yeah, he's a, he's a musician. He's incredibly talented. Although their time、uh, when they were young, it was、um, in the middle of the Cultural Revolution, so they、uh, didn't they didn't have any chance or opportunity to pursue their dreams. Therefore. I gotta do it、cool. <laughs> for them, <laughs> and、um, that. Well,、uh, I hated it when I was a kid, but now、um, I went through some ups and downs and had some breakthroughs, and I'm completely in love with it. You hear that, kids? You hear that? <laughs> but, uh, Stick uh, with Faye, it. Uh, Faye, maybe you can start. You know, being married to, I know some of the backstory. I mean, you actually started playing when you were、uh, maybe five or six. Nobody in your family actually remembers exactly when, but let's say six, right? Yeah. So how, how did that happen? How did your parents force you to start playing guzheng at that age? My dad actually told me when、um, he went to his sanxiao teacher's troupe tuan in China. The the professional performance troupes are always a state owned company, and he went to his sanxiao teacher's、uh, practice, and he saw them. Making an earning、uh, from just rehearsing music all day long, so he's wow, that's a nice life. And I, it ain't I, working. I, that's the way you do it, right? It's like I certainly can't, you know, do this, but I want my daughter to do this. At the time, I was three, and then he basically decided. And he saw, he saw music talent in me. I don't know how, and、uh, and then he from then started searching music instrument teachers for me. Until I officially started taking lessons from a professor from China Conservatory of Music on the guzheng. Wow! He, yeah, he wanted me to study sanxiao be,、uh, at the beginning, but they said I didn't like it, so they had to choose something else.、Uh, so did you? Do you when you were studying composition, presumably you also learned piano and you? Yes, yes, I had to learn the piano since I was like eight, because. Because my music guzheng teacher said, "Okay, this kid has a lot of talent.、Uh, she should study、uh, solfege and ear training in the conservatory on the conservatory's weekend school every Saturday." And in order to do that,、uh, I have have to have a piano at home and knowing how to read Western scores and studying music theory. So that's how I started the piano. And、uh, and then um, later, um, more teachers、uh, told my parents that、um, Faye should、uh, pursue more in the composition. 
uh, approach because uh, just somehow they also saw different talent, and uh, so I had to go through this pretty intense tests exams for prepare prepared it for uh, for for the test for about a year, and then a two week long exams like multiple exams for two weeks, and and finally got in to the conservatory high school when I was sixteen、uh, years old. Wow, wow! So now I, I know that like when you study art in China. You can either kind of go with the Youhua, the like the the Western style art track, or you can do the Guohua track.、Mm. Uh, now with music, the Chinese and Western musical traditions are very divergent. They're very very different. Although we're going to see shortly how they can be beautifully synthesized, but、uh, they are very different. And so, you were you studying specifically Western music, and how did that square with your learning a traditional classical Chinese instrument that was, you know, and in this case, one that is. Pentatonic by design. It's just it's just written into the fact that that's how a guzheng is tuned. I studied pretty much. I was in ninety percent of the subjects、uh, in the composition department in China Conservatory were Western classical、uh-huh. music. Ninety percent. Ninety percent. We had very little Chinese music education. Most of my Chinese traditional music education came from learning the guzheng from my prof- professors before I entered the conservatory and、uh-huh. from my own family. So yeah, as a composition student, we studied basically the Russian school, the French school,、um, uh, European, you know, from mid- medieval time to all the way contemporary Stravinsky and、uh, John Cage. That was what I was taught, and I felt at the time quite non、uh, uncool to play a Chinese traditional instrument. So、oh, I did not touch my guzheng for solid, I would say, five years, because I thought, oh, I'm gonna be a pianist. I don't want to be. A guzheng player because you know traditional Chinese instruments were not considered as cool, so I did not touch it a bit until I came to the states. So your story will pick it up from from where you go to the states, but I I want to contrast it right now with Abby's, which is so different because you were just telling me that you didn't start playing banjo until you were twenty one years old. Right. Yes, I grew up in a. Home that really didn't have much music. I mean, we had a record player, and、uh-huh. we had like five records, including Whitney Houston. <laughs> I believe the children are future. I was super、She's、into、awesome. that. She's so awesome. I want to dance with somebody. So I was really into like you、What、know stuff、that? I heard on the radio. With somebody. <laughs> wow. We had Richard Marks, you know that kind of stuff. Oh my god. But、um, really high class stuff. <laughs> Some real great、Richard、pop Marks, music.、Yeah. From the time that connected you to China, then because Richard、oh, Marx was a big, <laughs> big, 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 big. I mean, that's the other strange part of your story. I mean, because、uh, for those of you who don't know, Abigail lived in in Beijing on and off for many many years. I used to see you playing all the time, and、uh, I mean, she she was fantastic, of course. And one of her things was, I mean, she was a fluent Mandarin speaker, and、yeah. we'll get into the whole China connection in a bit. But go go on, please. Um, so yeah, I just didn't grow up with much much music in my house. My brother, when he got into high school, started playing rock guitar. He got really into Joe Satriani and Van Halen. So、uh-huh. I would hear like him with the amp down and the V guitar. Oh yeah, down in the、v. basement,、yeah. like、right. the flying V,、uh, just going after it, you know. But I I wasn't really drawn to it. I did I did play piano and recorder when I was little and.、Uh. But I, and I was always very good at the piano right away because I could hear what somebody played and play it back to them. But my first teacher I had wouldn't let me do that, right? Because she wanted me to read, and so I lost interest. Actually, that's what I did. Yeah, I I never I faked knowing how to read、right. the whole time. Yeah, I mean I, I would pretend I was reading, but I was just playing by ear. Yeah, and I so enjoyed it when I was allowed to play by ear. But when I was forced to read, I just. 
didn't do it. I didn't want to do it. So my mom was fine with that. So I only did, you know, a little bit of music for two years. I always sang in choir. I always loved that. I'd try out for the solos and I'd never get them. So I just didn't figure I was much of a musician. You should go wave your Grammy in their face now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole journey of circumstance and luck and hard work that is, it seems unrelated to all that. But when I am... Got to college, I did start dating someone who was a bluegrass musician, and Bo Stapleton is his name. And so I learned about bluegrass through him in college. And I actually met him on a trip to China. He was on the same trip, uh, my first time going to China when we were both, I guess, 18 or 19 years old. We uh, spent a summer over there with a couple of kids from Colorado College. And that's when he and I met and he introduced me to bluegrass music soon thereafter. I, I again, it wasn't my thing. I, I, I felt very dedicated to China from the moment I, I went over there for the first time and not that interested in bluegrass music, but I would still sell merch at their shows. And sometimes I'd sing like backup <laughs> if they needed it, you know, but as I got deeper and deeper into the China into under loving China mm. and understanding the lack of knowledge of most Americans about China, I mean, I remember the first time I came back from China, or I think it was the second time actually, and I'd spent six months in Sichuan province and was felt at that point deeply immersed and in love with Chinese culture. And uh, I came back and one of my uh, relatives from Southern Minnesota called me and said, I called, yeah, they called and they said, Abigail, how was Japan? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good accent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And so And I, I, I mean, it wasn't just that. It was so many different things. Watching the news, everything, the way I'd interact with people, and they just didn't think of anything other than Asia or the Orient as one big chunk. This mm-hmm. is back in the early 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I knew there was a need, and I felt that I could serve somehow to help Americans understand China a little better. But, sorry, Abby, I, I, we kind of glossed over. So how did you first go to China? What was what was the impetus Yeah, how did that? you get interested in China? Uh so you were at Colorado College, which is which is that school where they don't give grades and you take like one class for a year. <laughs> is that is that is that right? Well, that was, it was a little bit of an overstatement you just made. You do actually take eight classes in a year, but you take one class at a time. It's called ah. the block plan. Oh, right. So you take one class for three and a half weeks and then you get four days off. Oh, wow. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. And then you come back and you, so you, you just do one thing intensive, very intensively at a time. Oh, that's Great. And so they had a two block class in the summer that was seven weeks long. And you do get grades. You get grades like everybody. Okay. <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of that place in Olympia, Washington. That Maybe, has like, yeah. You know, Evergreen some, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evergreen. Evergreen yeah. Or I don't or care remember what it's called. Or, yeah. No, they get clear. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I know what you're talking about, though. So I saw a sign that said, study Chinese in China. And that was at the end of my freshman year. And I was just interested. And I had studied mm. French in high school and gone to France. I just... I didn't need to keep pursuing that. And I wanted to do something really different. And I kind of want to just go really far away and see what the other side of the world was like. And so I did. And I had the luxury of doing that, you know, to be able to be a liberal arts student that could go check all this stuff out. And so I did. And um, truthfully, the first time I went to China, I didn't like it that much, which is... It was far for the course. Yeah. yeah I was, think most people end up actually really loving China when they first go, don't like it that much. <laughs> I mean, I was that the could same. Be. You were the same too? Really? I hated it the first year I was there, yeah. Did you? Yeah, I thought Chinese people were totally crazy. Yeah. Maybe true. Um, but, <laughs> this is coming yeah, from it you. It took me about a year, to, <laughs> a year of hate before the love came. Were you in Beijing? when? Yeah. That, and I was in... Uh, 
Shanghai for the for four weeks of that, and then saw a little bit of Chufu and Beijing and Hong Kong, and it was all, it was just dirty and it was sweaty and hot it was the yeah, height <laughs> it was of the summer, summer and yeah. people were all Shanghai. up in my grill all the time right. you know They're, the only interaction i had with chinese people was them trying to sell me stuff and i was terrible at chinese i was just learning chinese so i really couldn't talk to anybody and the only people who would talk to me were like people who were trying to practice their english i'd come back to my dorm room after i was in class and stuff would be rearranged people had gone through my stuff you know uh-huh. So it was like all those so corner. How did you how, how did you how did you evolve out of that? I mean, that seems like a pretty right. dismal experience. <laughs> well, it was kind of rough. Yeah. Um, well, I came back to the states, and the contrast. You know, you guys have all felt it in one way or another. You get off the plane, things are spacious, things are clean. Um, there's a little something missing, though, right. and. For the rest of your life, there will always be a little something missing because you went to China. And I, I, I did think, okay, good riddance. I'm probably never going to go back there. I'm going to pursue something else in school. But I, and I have these pictures of Gandhi, or I did in high school, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and the United Nations mural on my wall. I'm, wow. I'm a real geek. So like in high school, lovely though. Um, <laughs> in high school, instead of going to my senior prom, I went to the United Nations Youth. United Nations Disarmament Conference in Winnipeg, Canada. And I, so I'm that, I'm that kind of kid, you know? Excellent. And so I was there and I'd, I'd wake up every morning, I'd look up and I'd see Gandhi and MLK and I was trying to reconcile this experience and these feelings I had when I was in China. And I, I just knew, I felt like Gandhi was like staring at me and I was <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. I'm like disenchanted with 1.3 billion people on the face of the planet and that's not okay. Right. And I have to figure that out. So I went back. And I, I went back a semester later, and I went to Sichuan Province to the Kujidashue at the time. Now it's it was the technical university. Now it's one university. And I met an amazing woman by chance, and that's a fun story too. But I don't think we have time. And I I met her on the street, and uh, she invited me over for dumplings. And she was an old lady, eighty years old. Oh, lovely cataracts, little silver hair, bob. She shuffled down the street. She was about four feet tall, <laughs> and she took me in. And I spent three days a week with her for that six months. And um, she'd feed me. I'd gain twenty pounds. I gained twenty <laughs> pounds. I got off the airplane wow. when I got back to the states. My parents were like, uh, "What did What did you guys do with your <laughs> daughter? She's huge." <laughs> <laughs> it was all la la uh, dumplings, Sichuan dumplings. Oh yeah, those will do it to you. So I, I fell in love. The second time I went, I fell in love, and that was that was that. And I knew I'd had to spend the rest of my life. I felt married to China after that. I had to spend the rest of my life figuring out how to help Americans and Chinese know each other better because those secrets, those special emotional intimate places that we have, are hard to reach with each other unless you speak the language. You guys have kind of parallel stories in in a way because you know you've both kind of tried to wed Chinese and American music uh, in 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 different ways. You know, coming from different directions, mm-hmm. but meeting at a, a really, I mean, a pretty magical place. Right? Uh, to tell us about your you. So you came to the states for after after graduating from the conservatory, right? Uh, no, it's in the mid. Uh, I transferred from China uh, Conservatory of Music to uh, Music College at uh, University of No yeah, uh, North Texas. Oh, North Texas. Right. Yeah, they okay. have a very big and um, quite a renowned music program. And uh, so uh, I got a scholarship, and I was oh, this is where I'm going. They you know it's nice, but uh, and then it was still in the kind of a. Um, music conservatory setting so i wasn't it wasn't super different 
But the thing that really changed my life was、uh, first for the first time seeing African drumming ensemble and the Indian raga singers. Wow! So I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And their marching band, because UND has like the country's top level marching bands. I was just blown away by the music that. Had no clue, like never saw anything like that in、I、my never life. Never would have guessed that marching bands had p- played a role. In、uh, right? Oh, marching band! Oh, they were amazing they drummers. Amazing,、yeah. They were really. They were like practice. Texas is hot. They were like practice outside on the like concrete. Like like eight guys. I would just just seeing the sh- the the shadow of of their drumsticks, like, and then they have all sorts of patterns, combinations. You know they're just amazing percussionists. Wow! So、uh, I I had a blast.、Um, so、uh, and then after that,、um, I went to Mills also by a, a total chance. Like chance, I did not plan to go to a nest of avant garde composer school. So you, how long were you at UNT for, Fei? For two years. And then you graduated and with a yeah music bachelor's. And you went to Mills College, College for a graduate bachelor's and, degree. And Mills is in Oakland, California, near San Francisco, right? Yeah. And tell us about Mills because it's kind of a, a special place. I mean, it, 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 there's a certain kind of.、A, Uh, musical music that comes out of、uh, of Mills, right? Yes. At the time when I applied, I didn't know that much about Mills'、uh, legacy in the avant-garde,、uh, like contemporary American avant-garde music scene.、Uh, I just thought I needed to go to get a master's degree. Somewhere and、uh, a famous music, you know, as a Chinese student, that's all you think of. And then、uh, I met this composer,、uh, Jevsky Frederick Jevsky. In Cincinnati Conservatory、uh, during a music festival, he recommended Mills. So I was like, "Oh!" And then I start checking out other schools, like Manhattan School of Music, and、uh, and then I saw、uh, the website of Mills campus and saw, "Oh, California! Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful! I want to go there." <laughs> I checked out. Well, like obviously they're good because otherwise this famous professor wouldn't recommend it. So I just applied, and they accepted me. And、uh, so when I went there,、uh, I realized, wow,、uh, like it was associated with so many、uh, revolutionary composer in the contemporary like music history, basically John Cage.、Uh, You're、uh, familiar with Cage? I mean, you just I was in, in, familiar、uh, with the name,、okay. not so much of the work and、not、the, the influence. Yeah,、or? I I knew. I mean, it's like his famous, you know, not playing anything for four、right. four minutes and thirty three seconds, but and and then I really start studying about Cage's work、um, from when he was young, and then the progression, the the development as a composer from when he's young to to where he like re- revolutionized the concept, and then I start to have deeper understanding of why he did it, and the, yeah. At this point, were you already was the seed already in you to think about? Combining somehow Chinese、uh, traditional music in some way with yes, I, I actually had started doing that even when I was in China,、uh-huh. uh, putting uh, uh, Chinese instruments with Western instruments together,、uh, writing、uh, writing music like that,、um, but only for well, there's some kind of、um, curiosity of combining the the sound, the result,、um, but not. Still, kind of trying to find my voice.、Mm. You know, I was only like you know eighteen, or、right. not knowing what I was doing, just trying to pile up a bunch new sounds together. But at Mills, 
uh, I started to have more understanding, and I had a what the wake up call to me to really change that the moment that changed my life was uh, when I had the my first lesson with uh, Fred Frith. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, he Fred Frith. Yeah, he was my main teacher at Mills for two years. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so I went to Fred's office, and he. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Maybe you can explain who Fred Frith is, because Fred of- Frith is a. Uh, Guitarist he, primarily. He's yeah, a, a guitarist, and he also played bass in this uh, avant rock noise band called uh, Massacre and Naked City that was in the 1970s, were active in the 70s and 80s with uh, Bill Frizzell, John Zorn, um, uh, who else? Uh, he collaborated a lot with uh, Mike Patton on uh, Faith No More. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mr. All, Bungle, right? yeah, Mr. Bungle, yes, and um, also Fred collaborated with uh, Bjork, uh, Brian Eno, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just just like a, you know, envelope pushing sort of uh, other musicians in their genres. Just uh, so Fred, I had still had no clue who he was, even when I was learning from him at the beginning. But he asked me the first lesson to uh, he asked me to bring my recordings, my old compositions. So he wanted to take a listen. And after listening a bunch, and he said, Faye, um, I hear a lot of amazing craft, but I don't hear Faye. And at that moment, I just like I felt like a hammer, like a five ton hammer on my brain. Kamoli, <laughs> <laughs> what have been have I been doing in twenty two years in my life, and <laughs> not knowing why I do music? And uh, I thought I was like, you know, writing the the next Chopin piece and all that. But now it's like, oh, I guess they're all nonsense. So I had just had to go home and just kind of be man, be guan, just like shut the door and think. Mm-hmm. For like ten days, and uh, so Fred just pushed me. Said, uh, "You just gotta cut it clean. You know, you don't. You will never lose the craft, but you need to cut it out of. It. Yeah, you need to start just just let it let it loose and let yourself out, and don't worry about anything. Just let it flow out of your heart and your brain, whatever. Don't control it. That's when I started to go." kind of crazy and never have never stopped <laughs> because it's too God. much fun right. <laughs> Abby you encountered Chinese music when you were in China um, in the early mm-hmm. 90s and then and beyond uh, what was your initial impression of it um, I, this is going to sound so strange but I wasn't much of a musical thinker at the time so um, even though I liked it I wasn't going there to you know to to listen to music mm-hmm. um, I, I had a really neat experience in the what is it called the Sanwei Shu Dian yeah I had a bunch of ex- yeah. wonderful experiences there and I ended up getting to play a show there which was like my dream come true legendary bookstore in, in western Beijing yeah. <laughs> is it still there it is or, wow it, it was uh, it got shut down for a little while it got shut down. I don't actually know if it's slow I think it reopened oh, I'm pretty sure it reopened a place where they they often have very interesting talks and music occasionally and tea yeah so I, I started being really introduced to the, the music there and I would go, I was, this was when I was a cons- consultant, working at a consultancy as an intern, APCO in oh, you Beijing. Oh, yeah, yeah, for six months. Yeah. And I, and so on the weekends and a, a lot, I would end up at Sanwei Shu Dian to, 
see music and they'd have little puppet shows there sometimes and things and um and that's when i think i started really having a love affair with chinese music and the way that nature and uh, oh so much space in the music so much space compared to most of the things i've heard growing up in america so that's where my love affair of Chinese music probably started. Also, when I was in Sichuan, I loved going down to the, um, there was a Lauren, uh, Lauren. Uh, old persons, so the retirees kind re- of. Yeah, Tui Xiu Ren de Nigga. Yeah. Lao Yuan. It was literally Sichuan Opera for. Like, old yeah. folks. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Senior Citizens Activity Center. Mm-hmm. Like Sichuan Opera specifically for old folks. Specifically Sichuan Opera. It was oh. just a stage and a little area and there were these little bamboo chairs and everybody ate their sunflower seeds and peed in their pants and oh. drank tea. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I, I did start to fall in love with Chinese music there even though it sounded cray balls. You know, that music <laughs> is just that, that, crazy. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cray balls. Yeah. <laughs> So let's, let's hear let's hear what what fruit that love affair bore. Uh, I think it's time to hear from you you two. Let's hear a musical number. Uh, introduce this the first song you're going to play for us, and 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 tell us you know tell us a little bit about the piece. We'll start with an instrumental piece, so you can just hear our two in, instruments interacting. Okay, we'll leave the, the lovely voices for later. Yeah, okay. and I'll I'll play it. Two tunes. One, both of them come from North Carolina. Uh-huh. Oh, the yay, first one, North Carolina. yeah. The first one comes uh, is called Julianne Johnson. But there are there are two very popular versions of Julianne Johnson from North Carolina. One comes from the mountains, and one comes from the coast. This one is from the coast, and the next tune after that that I'm going to play is Backstep Cindy. And Faye is going to play some tunes from China at the very same time, and you'll get to see how it all works out. Yeah. And so, the, the, what do we call this composition? I mean, it's just the, is, is there a sort of a slash? We, so it's because the the Chinese Johnson tunes slash. Actually, the Chinese tunes I I'll, I'll play uh, with Abby. Uh, one the beginning one is from Guangdong. Uh-huh. It's called the Fang Zhimang, Busy Weaving. And the next one is from Henan Province. It's called Xiao Kai Shou. Little okay. so open wait, I hand. Get North Carolina and Henan in one song. And Guangdong. And Guangdong. It's a scary combination. <laughs> <laughs> so we call it Cindy's Little Hand. Cindy's Little Hand. Backstep Cindy and Open Little Hand combined. Well, let's hear it.
Thank you so much. That was uh, that was amazing, Jeremy. You are really a lucky guy. I mean, you get to hear this all the time. Not all the time, but quite a lot of the time. You know, Abby uh, Abby's busy, so uh, she's not always performing with Faye, but uh, they're working on a lot of stuff. So hopefully, that, more frequently in the next few months. But we we do have to thank Jeremy very much. Just this last week, he was taking care of both Felix and Vivi. The little ones, so that Faye and I could rehearse. Oh, and good, good, good. Yeah, good man, He's Jeremy. A good man. He's a good, He's a good man. man. He is. Yeah. Hey, so <laughs> they, they say. I, so guess, I mean, I have a, a sort of theory question. I mean, so how did it occur to you that Americana would work with pentatonic based Chinese folk music? I mean, whose idea? How did how did this come into your heads, and how did this? Collision occur. I mean, it's just it's amazing. I just that, did not even think like that. No, I yeah. it just came from like friendship first. Like you know, if mm. you love someone, you trust someone so much, something good will happen. And but I mean, it sounds like they were written to be played on top of one another. Almost. I mean, it's, it's also I think from both Abby and I, our um, uh, knowledge in our folk music. That's definitely uh, you know we've put the time and the study and the passion into it. Um, but on, on top of that, a lot of people, musicians, know the same knowledge and haven't come up with this kind of collaborations. So I think it's um, just our respect and, and passion for free, for each other. Um, so uh, it's kind of hard to explain. It's we, not just, just, yeah. we don't think about, oh, is it like this G pentatonic? Would that work on the, you know, if bend the banjo? We're like, we never. Really? We never work like that. No. No. Wow. It would sound pretty bad, way I think, if organic. we have to force ourselves yeah, that way. Yeah, we just sit together and sing each other songs, you know? I mean, and, I remember Jeremy was telling me there was a time... You know, Jeremy, this is, it's so beautiful just to like sit there and hear Faye just sing old folk songs, you know, and it's magical. And that's how I feel. I mean, that's why I was drawn into the music was hearing people just sit around and sing each other beautiful old songs that made me cry. And uh, that's, I heard Doc Watson. That's what I heard. I heard a, a recording of Doc Watson at a party and I, uh, when I was about 21 and I went out and I bought a banjo and I started playing it, but I never suspected I'd do like this kind of stuff. I thought I was still going to go to China and do something practical with my life. Were you self-taught on banjo or did you, did you? Well, kind of, I've had some mentors though, you know, yeah. like a guy named Riley Boggess out of Walkertown, North Carolina. Uh -huh. I was a bit, had a big influence on how I play in particular. Um, but no, just listening to music a lot and listening to people around me play music. I mean, in America, we have all these folk festivals all over the place. Right. And you can go just live in the dirt for a weekend and just listen to music and play music with people all weekend. And it's magical. And the first time people ask me this a lot, they were like, how did you think to like put Chinese and American folk music together? And for me, it was very simple. I started playing the banjo after I started 
after I fell in love with China and Chinese culture. So when I started playing the banjo, one of the first things I wanted to do was translate old folk songs into Chinese and sing them for the people when I went back to China. So it was for love and fun and passion. And I thought, oh, this is something culturally interesting and relevant that I, I can share with my Chinese friends and people I meet over here. It's something beautiful about America I can share with people. So that's why I did it. And Abby, can I ask... Um one of one of the you know when Faye and I were first together, she used to sing Chinese folk songs. Some of them I'd actually heard on the TV or, or radio in China, but usually I thought they were horrible because it was this like very overproduced. Yeah, the arrangements uh, style. were bad. And, arrangements yeah. very bad, and they always seemed to be trying to imitate Western opera. So that you know there was a, a very pretty folk song, but suddenly it was like whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, yeah. there was this kind of ridiculous sort of kitschy um, way of doing it. And to realize that the, the songs themselves are just very good, there are these beautiful, beautiful folk songs. I mean, how did you sort of get just drawn into that? How did you see past the, the awful kind of Pang Liyuan ification <laughs> of Chinese well, music? Well, I got to meet amazing people uh, playing music, even the first time I came to Beijing to play music specifically to play music when I decided okay I'm not going to go to Beijing University I'm going to stay in Nashville and make music my friends called right away like John Campbell and said you've got to come over here and um and come back to to Beijing and play play some bars I'll set you set up some gigs for you you know and so I did and I was like I played Nashville Bar in oh, yeah. Stanley Twin <laughs> back in the day. I know where that you know? is. Good old Nashville, yeah, <laughs> on South Bar Street. Yeah. It's still yeah. going, actually, you know, north of Chaoyang Park. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw New Renzi and Yeah. 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 And, I, and, and because of that and doing a few other things, I had friends because I had been at APCO and uh, had built some fr- uh, really dear, dear friendships in Beijing. So I... I immediately had, you know, you know, 30 people who would come see me play this weird music I'd seemed to have adapted since last time I lived in China. And, and it just worked. It really worked. And I have to say, I got to really like develop my solo show and my artistry a lot in China. It was a huge piece of me becoming a musician here in the United States. I felt like I could take chances in China because there weren't like industry people watching me and nobody really cared what came out of my mouth. It was really powerful to be able to do those shows in China. That's so, so that's a great insight. I, I, I I've met people who feel that way too. They don't feel, uh, Constrained. Yeah. I mean, they feel like I can reinvent myself. I can try things. I, I can, can try do things. things. Uh, you are such a person. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I, you know, I also wanted to mention some of the really cool musicians I got to meet right away when I was first there. So there was a band that I loved when I was in China that I'd heard about even when I was back in Sichuan called Ye Haizu. And I went to their shows and just loved it and was really drawn to the way they were combining like contemporary sounds and... The Xibei Feng. Yeah, the Xibei Feng with like what they love. It was basically folk folk music from from the northwest and China. Those dudes were from Lanzhou or something, right? Gansu and Shanxi basically, right? They have the best folk songs ever in, in, in... In my view, out of all the other in China, and they were like a bar band. They would like play bars, and I would go see them. and And then the first time I got to jam with people in Beijing, it was like Mamuar and Hangai and the old Hangai. Yeah, and we'd have jam circles. We'd go out to Mamuar's house, like way out in what's it called? Sundong or something? No, 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 it's like the last stop on the line that goes south. Oh wow, that's Yizhuang Fengtai. Oh, uh, anyway, anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Let's just guess. I can't remember now, 
But uh, yeah, so we'd go way out into the, you know, the way out suburbs and just jam in Mamoir's little house and... Playing the Mongolian stuff. Right? Yeah, Mongolian and his was the Shibe stuff and uh-huh. the Kazakh Chinese. And uh-huh. and I so I felt, I felt like there was a scene, but what I found out was that was like the only scene. Right. It was the one, the one scene. <laughs> the right? great one scene. And as I traveled, like at the little bar in Sichuan and Chengdu, oh, I yeah, got to meet really wonderful place, musicians yeah. through them also and... And and then on a more official level, all of the tours I've done in China that are official and I play a university, I always ask to collaborate with somebody. So I've gotten to play with amazing musicians all over China because of touring all over China. Wow. Mm-hmm. But Faye is my favorite. So let's hear something where, <laughs> let's, let's hear something with a little vocal action going on here because you guys blend so beautifully. What's the next song you're going to play for us? The next one is called uh, The Water is Wide and Usuli Boat Song. Uh, the one that I sing in this one is called Wusu Li Chuan Ge. It's actually a very famous folk song in China. However, the version that I grew up, or most Chinese grew up knowing, is uh, the lyrics are added to the melody by this famous singer who made the song famous in the 1950s mm-hmm. and is about praising the praising socialist. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so and I, I did not know about that until I start digging up more because from the experience of uh, other songs that I, I just had to, you know, investigate more. And then I did find out it's um, actually Hezhe, the ethnic group in North up and near Wusuli River. In, uh, in the northeastern part yeah, of China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Heilongjiang province, right? Yes, yes. The Basically at the border between Russia and China. So two-thirds of Wusuli people live on the Russian side and then the, the other side. The other uh, live on China's side. So this one, their song has become the most beloved and famous popular folk song in China. So uh, so this is the Usuli boat song. And Abby's song is called The Water is Wide. And any of you who are, <clears throat> well, a lot of you probably know this song. It's of Scotch-Irish origin. Mm-hmm. It's old, old, old. And I took one verse from it that seemed to fit... Um, what Faye and I were singing about. We're new, we're new mothers. We're learning how to do this and we have a deep love affair with our children. And so this is why I chose the verse that I did. And they're, they're both sort of, you know, riparian songs, right? They're both about water. Although, I mean, something as somebody's, you know, listen to y'all sing, y'all. Sing, 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 sing this together a number of times. What I always find interesting is that the Husuli boat song uh is about the joy of being on the river and the length of the river and how you can go places on the river and catch fish and stuff. Whereas the water is wide is about how the river is an obstacle to you getting to the other side and, you know, meeting your love or doing something. So yeah. it's kind of like a, a, a clash of attitudes towards the water. It's true. One, one uh. is about they, they live their life. Their whole life comes yeah, from yeah, the yeah. water. Yeah, and yeah. water is their joy and their happiness mm-hmm. where life yeah, comes. So Let's so, hear it. Yeah. This is, a, this is a, one of your, your famous ones. This, is, this one was a huge hit at AAS, I remember. <laughs> it's really big with lots of Asian scholars. <laughs> okay. The, the water is wide and it was the boat song. Ah, <laughs> 
Standing. Oh, I love that song. I it's can, a lovely I can listen song. to that again and again and again. It's I am biased, but it's a lovely song. No, that is, it is. It's just it's beautiful. I'm glad we finally captured it here on tape. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we we have a little bit of time left, and I think there's nothing I would rather do than hear more music from you guys. Um, you know, and then and we can chat a little bit more on the on the other side. But uh, how about at least one more song? 
Okay, what are we going to do? Uh, oh, hey. Yeah, we really need to do oh, the one hey. that we're going to collaborate with you guys on. Are you guys ready to collaborate with us? Yeah, what do we have to do? <laughs> you have to, um, well, since you you're so metal, Kaiser. Tone, tone deaf. <laughs> since you're tone deaf and you're metal, I mean, just shout <laughs> what you need to do here. Just, just so shout it like, oh, hey. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. You are rocking yeah. this song about right. chickens. I'm going to rock a song about chickens. Chickens bang their heads. Uh, sort yeah, of. Yeah. Some yeah. dark, heavy chickens. Yeah. Okay. Some chicken metal coming your way with bluegrass and Chinese folk mixing. So tell us about this song. This is, I mean, this is a tune I, I recognize. It was an old Kami song, right? Yes. And that's also how I was uh, raised about and le- knowing the song. Uh, and of course, because Abby, since Abby and I started our uh, pretty seriously about our dual project and we do want to make sure of all the origins of, of each song we want to take as we want to go on a, if we want to record it all these issues need to be accurately documented and, and accurate so um <laughs> so i start doing research on this one and i found out of course again someone from the party probably took um took the melody and added to their lyrics to praise the communist big production. So, what were the original lyrics? Well, the, the lyrics the, the, that the, you learned, I mean. Uh, uh, or. Like, great production. Yeah. Hey ho, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, just all about. Well, there's several uh, verses, but they're all about how great and how much we can produce in the. Socialist, communist, <laughs> under uh, the communist party's leading leadership. So uh, that's just how everyone knows about, about this song in China. And uh, I actually found out it's about uh, it's a f- farmer's song, chicken farmer's song, about a farmer hearing the chicken rooster sound and getting up in the morning to go to his millstone and. Work on the mill in his mill, so that's, <laughs> and, that's and that's grind, grind, grind corn yeah. and grind wheat. Yeah, so when you hear the sound, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the sound of imitating the, the millstone, the millstone sound. And I, I, it sounds like chickens to me. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's something also it's that like, too. But uh, Faye yeah. and I decided we really wanted to take back the song for the chickens, right. It's the chicken song. Yeah, it's the chicken's right. And what's the American side of the chicken song? Well, one of the first songs you will learn often uh, when you're learning old-time Appalachian music on banjo or fiddle is a a, a song called Cluck Old Hen. And it it fits very well. Yeah. Let's hear how well it fits. And uh, Jeremy, here we go. Clear your throat. We're going to sing.
Okay, I can safely say we ruined that one. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> apologize. That was you. quite a nice song until at least I started singing. Maybe we can edit ours out. I mean, because it's actually additional beats, right? I mean, we could take them out. You, can you, you, can you auto-tunes auto my part of it? No. <laughs> it's not like T-Pain. Oh, the perfect counterpoint. God. Uh, uh, so yeah, our, our profoundest apologies to ruining an otherwise wonderful song and 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 having to to uh, <laughs> endure that. Sorry, guys. Um, can we do one more? Can we hear hear one more song? Yes. Well, we're gonna play a good old bluegrass number here. Uh, okay. This is um, one that was written by Lily Mae Ledford, and she traveled the world with her Coon Creek girls, and uh, they were based in East Kentucky. And so they wrote a song about traveling all over the world playing music in the 1930s. They even, I even read somewhere that they took their Renfro Valley barn dance all the way to Shanghai in the 1930s. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Wow. I wish I could see that. Wow. Yeah. So we wrote, um, most, all of these lyrics are, are their original lyrics and... We uh, added a Chinese um, lyrics at, at the last verse, uh, just singing, yeah, like how we in the now nowadays us one how, how we want to what we want to say yeah it's a yeah like every corner of the planet we want to take our music and then we take our instrument and we sing and like travel the whole world with our music with our so it's literally so it's like the banks of heavens and uh, the corner the corners of, the of the seas, right? yeah. to the furthest corners of the seas, and to mm-hmm. the the furthest reaches of the heavens, right? So. Well, I play my instrument play and my, I, well, I sing. Oh, uh, awesome! All right, let's hear that. Oh, but we do lovingly call this song. We've changed the title from Banjo Picking Girl to Banjo Gujung Picking Girls. All right, Banjo Gujung Picking Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Off we go. Go around this world, baby, man. Go around. 
Bravo. That was awesome. I love that one. I love that one. What are you up to now? What's the new thing? Because we're here in New York tomorrow night. Uh, it'll be passed by the time this podcast is, is published. But you, you have a concert with some new material. Uh, and you're working on a bunch of new stuff. Can you tell us about it? So Faye and I have been working on this hybrid of, of American and Chinese folk music for many years now. But we're finally intensively diving in. And this winter we have dates set up in February too, just after the Lunar yeah, New Year to, to get power started. through this record. Make a record. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a duo record that's going to be banjo, gujang, and two vocals only the whole way through. Oh, wow. And, cool. Yeah. When do we expect to be able to hear this? 2018, I think. Like a, a spring? Well, when do I expect to be able to hear this? Well, Kaiser, <laughs> you can hear it the whole way through. You can yeah. just come down to Nashville. I am going to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Long-time listeners of the show, or you know, in recent weeks, I don't, you may have noticed that we've snuck a little bit of music into uh, little parts of the show, like when we do this. I want to remind our listeners that the Seneca Podcast is powered by SubChina. Check out the app and subscribe to the newsletter at SubChina.com. You can follow SubChina on Twitter at, at SubChinaNews and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SubChinaNews. It's a feast of business, political, and cultural news about a nation that is reshaping the world. Guess who contributed that Guzheng music you heard in the background? It was, of course, none other than Wu Fei. Thank you, Wu Fei, for, for giving us, you know, free music. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pay later. Yeah. <laughs> you should see pay. the things Jeremy has to do at home. It's not free, Kaiser. <laughs> Nothing is free. <laughs> Hey, so uh, as you guys know, we do this little thing at the end of the show where we do recommendations. Um, and so it, it's usually our habit to have Jeremy kick it off, but let's have Ufe start us off. Give us something you've been listening to. What have you been listening to recently that, that, that you think we ought we to oughta check out? I've uh, been listening a lot of this composer named Gabriel Prokofiev. Like Gabriel, Prokofiev? Like yeah, he's the grandson Sergei of... Prokofiev. Yeah, he's his, his grandson. Oh, holy shit. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he wrote the first turntable uh, concerto. With turntable a, concerto. Yeah, with, I think, the BBC Philharmonic. Like, yes. Yeah, like and scratching. he also, he's a, a brilliant composer. Um, he's been writing a lot of uh, string quartets, but in a really weird, funky, just a lot of attitude. Oh, wow. On a string quartet, so you have got to check out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what's his name? Uh, Gabriel Gabriel Prokofiev. Prokofiev. Oh. Wow, I love Prokofiev. I mean, oh. the grandpa. He's just the he's... grandson is not too shabby at all. Oh, all right, yeah. it's no Peter and the Wolf though. Huh? <laughs> no, but it's just that definitely the modern attitude. Oh, that cool, family's cool, got cool. some attitude. Some swag. Huh? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Cool. Great yeah. recommendation. I'll definitely mm-hmm. check that out. I've never, I didn't, wouldn't have thought to encounter such a thing. Abby, why don't you go next? What you got? I just had some friends stop by for lunch who are from Scotland. Uh, they're from the Highlands, and their name as a band is Lau, L-A-U, and they are incredible. And they write, they're, they're composers, all of them, and they play um, acoustic guitar, a fiddle, and um, accordion. Uh-huh. But they have pedals set up, with the accordion in particular to get all kinds of pitches and different sounds and all different ranges. 
And um, they've just composed such beautiful music. They have a 17-minute piece on their new record. And then some of them are more simple folk songs. And Chris Drever, who's the lead singer, sings for the band. And it's just phenomenal music. Oh, sounds great. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I should I should say, my husband, Bela, just wrote a concerto for our son. We had almost gotten through this whole podcast without mentioning the fact that you That's were very married. refreshing. But, yeah, but I, I do love him, and I think he's amazing. So Bela Fleck, and he wrote a beautiful concerto that's going to come out soon called the Juno Concerto after our son's name. Oh, wow. Cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool, cool. Excellent. Jeremy, you're up. I will nepotistically recommend the Wolf Force, which is another band that Abby and Faye are in, but uh, with a, another friend of theirs, Kai Welch, which is a, a, a very different take on music from what we heard in this podcast but aside from the outrageous nepotism since this is a musical <laughs> podcast i would like to recommend the the musician who's been my favorite musician since i was a teenager frank franco uh the uh, congolese musician franco and the okay jazz band uh, which if you like just very, very long songs played on the guitar, very repetitive, but just gorgeous. Um, Franco and Loke when, when was he active? This was in the 70s? Uh, late 50s, 50s to uh, 70s. Yeah, I mean, Congolese. I think he died in either the late, in the maybe early 80s. Wow, cool. That's the kind of thing that Marco Werman would recommend from, you know, PRI's The World. Yes, I'm, cool. I'm sure he's very familiar. Yeah, I, I just cheated and looked on the internet. He died in 1989. Oh, well, yeah. okay. I'm going to recommend music too. Um, and it's something that's actually related to Faye. I'm going to tell a quick story here. The first time that I think we hung out, and Jeremy came up, um, I, was, I had music on in the background. And it was a fairly obscure band from Oakland, California that had some connections to, you know, a band I played in, with in college. Uh, and we the, were all living in Beijing. We were all living in Beijing. We were all living in Beijing. And I'm, you know, sitting in my apartment. And suddenly Faye turns to me and goes, is this Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum? This is Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, right? And I went, how the, how the hell do you know Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum? Uh, and so the whole story came out that you were friends with like Carla and with Nils and with Dan and all, and Mo. And, and all. yeah, oh my God, it was just crazy. Cause you know, these are guys that I knew in college uh, and you know, wow. I mean, they're, so I'm recommending the music of Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, uh, which is actually available on Spotify. You can you can you can hear it. Um, particularly the band um, Grand Openings and Closings. I uh, the, the, the album Grand Openings and Closings. But the other the other ones are great too. Uh, of Natural History is is another one that I I'll, um, check out. Songs like Sleep Is Wrong which is great. And the donkey-headed adversary of humanity opens the discussion, which is just the most badass piece of music ever. There's a, they're, they're just, um, there's, there's some Zappa in them and some Mr. Bungle kind of stuff in there. It's, it's, uh, tremendously creative music. I mean, just very, very like, innovative. Yeah. Yes. There's a, a violinist named Carla who, who yeah. also does. Carla look, kills that. Yes. Yeah, just, she's amazing. Amazing violinist, amazing vocalist. Yeah. She's yeah. great. And she has another band that does like sort of Balkan style music called Charming Hostess and check yeah. them out. And too. Tin Hat Trio. And Tin Hat. Oh, oh, Tin Hat is, yeah. I know that one. Yeah. Oh. It's very good. Yeah, all right. A very musical. Uh, thanks yeah, so much. Okay, I'm, keep I'm it almost, going for the rest of the night. We could, yeah. Well, let's, I say instead we go get some Sichuan food. Yes? Oh, yes, please. Oh, right. yaoi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Hey, so um, thanks, everybody. The Seneca Podcast is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Jeremy Goldcorn. Special thanks this week to the guy whose Airbnb we're in, whoever that is. What's his name? James. James. Hey, James. Thanks. Uh, special thanks also to An Le Cheng, uh, to Sarai Darabi from SubChina. Drop us an email at Seneca at SubChina.com. Visit our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Seneca Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Seneca Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you all next week. Everyone. Bye. 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 Oh, we should no, do it in harmony. Let's do it in harmony. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's on harmony. What, 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 Jeremy it? should start. Yeah, yeah, you start. Uh, yeah, I'll start. Bye. 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 That's the seventh chord. Bye. Bye.